0: No. Yes. No. Yes, plain. No way. I'd have some flavour. Ready salted, then. You're only saying that cos I called you a quaver. Final decision. Ready salted. Most boring Chris there is. Next. No, not plain, Now. Where's Roy? Nipped out for some change. Here, Arlene, if I were a packet of Chris, what flavour would I be? What? Well, you'd be salt and vinegar.
1: Ridged. Yeah, ridged. Ridged salt and vinegar. No nonsense. Hardy with a pleasant sharpness. Welcome to episode one hundred forty-three of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast. That was frankly a little surprised this week to learn that the community centre is still a thing, and even more surprised to learn that Yasmin still owns it. I'm Gavin,
0: and I got a new pet.
1: <laughs> Your fifth born.
0: Yes. Yes. Sadly, our green Roomba, um, one of the brushes <laughs> so snapped off and i think some hair got into like the engine into the motor and that's why i was making the buzzing noise Oh! and i wasn't able to get it out so it wasn't really picking things up very well anymore Mm -hmm. so i just kind of bit the bullet and bought a newer one one that self docs and talks to you and i can program on my smartphone so it's still kind of sad kind of feel like I I need to bury the old one in the yard with Teddy.
1: Yeah, you became very attached to that thing. (laughs) You've become
0: very attached.
1: You were very maternal to it. Walking behind it, giving it encouragement.
0: Yeah, and I've been encouraging like when the new one self-docked for the first time, I was like, oh, what a good boy.
1: Oh, it's a boy? Okay. I
0: have a friend who has has attached large googly eyes to the top of her Roomba.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that it has eyes now and and while it's going around it actually looks like a creature. I don't know if I'm gonna go that far.
1: You're contemplating it.
0: <laughs> you can buy clothes for your Roomba.
1: Somebody's making money out of this, aren't they? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like the little do you get Henry Henry Hoover's over here? Or Henry Vacuum Cleaner's rather. They're, little, they're almost kind of what you'd expect to see a, a cleaner at an office facility. Mm-hmm. They would have this little um, half barrel kind of shape. Right, thing yeah. And then it's got
0: back. the hose and then the, the yeah. little flat part And of the, the
1: hose is where the nose is and right. the eyes. And there, there are eyes in it and it's called a Henry. Uh huh. So this is like a kind of Roomba, it's a kind of flattened down, squished Henry. Right. Yeah.
0: You don't have to drag around with you, and is it nearly as heavy?
1: What did it say to you? Ah, uh, I can't do that,
0: Helen. <laughs> yeah, I was when I was emptying it, I accidentally pushed a button, and because it was up in the air and upside down, it said "error." You know, cannot cannot be used at this time. Put me down and push clean if you want me to clean, sort of thing. So that's nice. Timbot four thousand says shit just got interesting. <laughs> So once again, Timbot is usurped as the best robot in the house. Well, that was great.
1: <laughs> Poor Timbot.
0: Poor Timbot. That's all right. Hey, I'm still wearing... I, I, we're both wearing... We're both wearing...
1: We're both wearing merch.
0: We're both wearing merch. We're both wearing <laughs> Quarry Podcast t-shirts today.
1: I feel like uh, Iron Maiden... When they they do a concert and they're wearing Iron Maiden t-shirts, <laughs> and I never I never thought that was particularly cool. No. And here you you've got a doesn't work at the factory t-shirt on, uh-huh. and you've I've got my
0: locked in the bistro with Simon Barlow. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious.
1: Both of which are available from our merch store.
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: <laughs> they're good t-shirts. They
0: are good t-shirts. They're cozy. They're nice and cotton and good stuff. I think stuff. they're heinz, aren't
1: they are hanes are not they the Hanes, I can't I have remember. N- no idea. They're not through the loom. I'll tell you that.
0: No. It, anyway, um, <laughs> I think we're better than than Iron Maiden because yeah,
1: the, the numbers suggest that.
0: There's nobody else here seeing us wearing our merch. We're just talking about wearing our merch. So that's not as bad as getting up on stage wearing your merch in front
1: of thousands of people who are yeah. also wearing your merch.
0: You know, once merch, con- once conventions merch. become a thing again, and we go to our first podcasting convention. Oh dear. We, we won't be wearing our merch. If we're doing like a I imagine a round something, table much, or something much, much worse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are you this week? Uh,
0: I don't know. Something something hit me really hard a few days ago.
1: I feel like I've been sick for about a month. <laughs> it's like, only been about a week.
0: Thursday I had to get up early for me and go to my oncologist appointment and by the time i got home i was just so worn out i went to bed and i didn't get back up really for the rest of the day no and then even yesterday i wasn't dragging nearly as much but i was still kind of dragging it sucks
1: i know i've just had to power through
0: yeah yeah and then i had to schedule a colonoscopy so yay Yay. My first one in well over a year. Oh, yeah. they didn't have well. one last year because mm. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going <laughs> to hospital for that long in 2020. Still kind of nervous about doing it in 2021, but needs must.
1: Do you wear a little face mask over your tush?
0: <laughs> Can't really do that, can I? Considering something's going to be going up there. They're going to be doing an up and a down again, oh, really? which tends to well. happen where I get the endoscopy and the colonoscopy at the same time but with different hoses
1: that takes a bit longer to do
0: yeah, they use different, you know
1: you'd hope they'd use fucking different hoses <laughs> there's,
0: there's different scopes <laughs> just for...
1: take a cloth to this one
0: it's good <laughs> as Warmth new it off. <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> just run it under a hot tap for a couple of things <laughs> if
0: they did that you'd hope they'd do the endoscopy first and then the colonoscopy
1: yeah, clearly there's a better way
0: yeah. Although I have to get in position for the colonoscopy before they put me to sleep. So who knows?
1: Downward dog. Assume
0: the position.
1: This is lovely conversation. <laughs> Great banter.
0: Yes. <coughs> How are you this week?
1: Gavin is frequently hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm fine. I'd, yeah, I was feeling a little bit under the weather, a bit this week it's been a it's been a tough old week work wise yeah an awful lot of stuff stuff and meetings and meetings and stuff
0: and stuff about meetings yeah and meetings about stuff
1: we actually had a meeting to discuss the meeting that we were about to have (laughs) (laughs) with a pre-meeting meeting meeting.
0: yeah
1: and I said on the calendar is that right? is that a pre-meeting meeting? and he said yep (laughs) <laughs> okay, dokie. We're having a meeting to discuss the meeting that we're about to have. Should we have a meeting to discuss the meeting that we've had? Who knows?
0: You know, I was working from home for years before all of this happened.
1: Yeah,
0: I haven't had nearly as many meetings as I have this past year. Now that everybody is work from home, it's kind of annoying because mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't make me more productive. In fact, it takes away my productive time because i'm in a meeting instead of
1: you're not productive when you're in the meetings
0: processing work
1: i'm very productive when i'm in meetings
0: my meetings tend to basically be my boss going over my productivity report from the day before which doesn't really
1: (laughs) that's still the one that i designed probably hey you're welcome
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it would make sense if it was like Okay, how have you been throughout this whole last quarter? But it's never that; it's just.
1: Oh, that thing was never designed to be talking about one day.
0: The report from the day before.
1: Yeah, if we can it's talk about
0: only this one thing. day. Shall but we... my boss is nice, so it's fine.
1: Shall we preamble, my dear?
0: I like talking to her. Yes, please.
1: Let's have some of that productive, Corey news. <laughs>
0: Not all actors are faring well financially during the pandemic. Charlie Condu, who played Marcus Dent on Corey, has taken to selling the clothes off his back on the website Depop to pay the bills. That's kind of sad. Haven't we
1: talked about him before?
0: I think we have. Something else happened to him. This- <laughs>
1: Why are we pecking on this guy?
0: <laughs> he's in the news an awful lot for some reason. Maybe because he can't find work. He's, he's constantly His publish, publicist is constantly putting these news things out on him to hopefully garner some work. That
1: feels a little cruel.
0: Well, so he did Quarry, and then he did Holby city and they left that. And then the pandemic hit, you know, before he could get Mm -hmm. more work. And this seems to be a common theme, but some people are faring better than others. Some people like our Sinead, Katie McGlynn, who is also out there raising money, not for herself, but for, Stand Up to Cancer. She is appearing in the show Stand Up and Deliver to raise money for the organization and was paired with the comedian Zoe Lyons to create her own stand-up comedy routine. Oh. First, she had to write her Holy own by herself. Shit. really? First, she had to write one by herself and do one by herself in front of the comedians. Yikes. Yeah. She said she was terrified, but apparently she did very good. Apparently, um... People on Twitter have been have been praising the show and saying that um, the people who are not stand-up comedians weren't awful, were surprisingly not bad.
1: <laughs> she was on, was it Catchphrase? I was watching, I don't know why I was watching this, over Christmas, a lot mm-hmm. of the celebrity editions of quiz shows, and I think she was on one of them. Was it Richard Herring that was on it? Was that why I was watching it? Probably. She, she didn't do great, I don't I don't think. Hmm. But it was funny seeing her out of context.
0: Right, yeah. It's always funny seeing like, oh, what,
1: she didn't, and she kinda talks obviously a bit like Sinead, but right. not obviously
0: not exactly as, like Sinead. Yeah, not as thickly.
1: But still, why Sinead on <laughs> Touch Face with <laughs> Andy Peters and Richard Herring? I don't think it was Richard Herring, but anyway. Anyway. Yeah.
0: I think that would be terrifying.
1: I remember Richard Bacon did it once he's a uh, Five Live and ex-Blue Peter presenter. Mm -hmm. And he did a, I think he just did a five minute set at Uh um, the Edinburgh Festival and it was broadcast live. And he started really well Uh and that gave him false confidence and it went downhill very, very quickly after that. But he still did it and he was so high afterwards. (laughs) It was just 100 miles an hour. The adrenaline just going through them was, must have been incredible. I almost fancy trying to put like a little five minute set together.
0: Yeah, I uh, in college I attempted to do a stand up routine for a um like a talent show mm-hmm. sort of thing because my friends were always telling me how funny I was and that I should do stand up. So I tried. I didn't prepare very well. I just had all of my jokes in my head, and that's. I hadn't yes. written anything down and I bombed terribly. <laughs> Fortunately, that meant that I didn't make it to the actual show. So it was only like in front of like three or four people. But still, I was just like, ah, that is a lot harder than you think it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I kind of ad- adopted the uh, the Billy Connolly theory mm-hmm. or, or, or starting point where he was a folk singer and he just did little jokes between songs.
0: Right. Kind of like uh, Abby Hoffman,
1: and then his show became less and less about the songs and more about more and more about the jokes in between, right? So I try when we when we go and do old mics, try and put little jokes in between the poems or the stories, and yeah. then if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, I do that sometimes. Steli, on the other hand, is a brilliant little twelve-year-old stand-up comedian. She's done stand-up for talent shows. Quite a few times. Keep on telling her, though. She, she can't does really and, good. And
1: tell knock-knock jokes. Have a, have, a, have a theme. Have a little plot to go through. <laughs> for girl. But she's like, nah.
0: She does write her set down, though. She's a lot more professional than her mother right. when it comes to stand-up. Anyway. Fi- finally. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing Corey News. Finally, Faye Brooks has come out in praise of her Cobbles co-stars Allison King and Kim Marsh. Brooks, who played Kate on the show, claimed King, who played her sister Carla, and Marsh as both friends and family. She has also had to switch skating partners on uh, Dancing on Ice. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and is now paired with Matt Evers, as Hamish Gaiman has left the show due to an injury to his hand.
1: Yeah, I think they're dropping like flies in that show.
0: Yeah. Apparently it's cursed. Well, they're Ooh. trying to do it. They're Ice skating. <laughs> ice skating. Brings injuries, uh, you know, um, say Brooks herself said that she put off doing Dancing on Ice for a long time because she was really worried. You know, she's like, my face is my bread and butter, so I don't want to do something where I'm g- going to potentially fall on my face and break my nose and ruin my face. But then she was offered it during the pandemic and said, and
1: sure, <laughs> <it's> like,
0: <laughs> you need the money. You need the money. It's a pandemic. You take whatever is on offer, and that's current news. <laughs> yes,
1: that's current <query> news. <laughs> we have a mailbag. All about money this week? A mailbag hindsight corner crossover.
0: Oh yes. From our own Mersey tart. Blue, 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 bloop. Yeah. bloop, bloop, bloop,
1: bloop. Scott took the time to write, and with a couple of hindsight corner entries.
0: Yay! Yay!
1: first when ed said that michael was quote showing ronnie streetcars he should have more correctly said showing ronnie two streetcars he turned up in his posh merc but after all that rum and the rovers he couldn't drive himself home that makes sense yeah yeah that does make sense oh did we mishear that no we didn't mishear it he did say he's showing but i I think the phrase in the uk did they drop the two so saying to somebody, I'm showing someone streetcars means I'm showing them I'm showing them the way to streetcars.
0: Why not just say, I'm taking him to streetcars to get a cab because he's drunk too much, he can't drive his car home.
1: Don't write the show, Helen. <laughs> and second, when Brian came back to the street in 2016, he was working for Weatherfield Council and he was obsessive about recycling and environment. He's about the only character in the show who would get into an arc if someone put rubbish in the wrong bin. And he's also pernickety enough to pull it out and hand it back to the offender. Thank you very much, Scott, for doing your work for us. Yes, thank you. So he joined, or he came back in 2016, worked for the council. He's been a teacher. Right. And a shopkeeper. Yes. A busy boy. four years. Four four and a bit years, yeah.
0: He was more productive than our last president.
1: (laughs) Subtle. (laughs) (laughs) Was it? Subtle, I think, is the word for that. (laughs) And now this.
0: Welcome,
1: welcome. Oh, welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about 50% doormat. No, who was 50% doormat last year?
0: Was it Carla?
1: No. This was Steve. Oh. Insisting to Liz that he wasn't a total doormat to Tracy. Yeah, just 50% doormat, said Liz. Liz. I was Gavin and you were knackered from Girl Scout cookie duties. This was the weekend or the, the Friday when you were at the work. Yes. And you sold over 800 boxes of cookies yes. in
0: two hours. Yep, not doing that this year. <laughs> Although, uh, we're, I guess we're trying to do, they're trying to figure out a way to do like a virtual cookie booth for Jackson. I don't know exactly know how that's going to work.
1: You give them virtual cookies for virtual dollars. Sure.
0: Or like, People place orders, and then we get them to them somehow. Deliver them. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I could imagine how it would work. They're still trying to figure that out. We did do a drive-through cookie booth last night. Our our first one. It went all right, and sell no eight hundred boxes of cookies though. No, but that's all right. Sally doesn't seem to be really into it this year, anyway. And honestly, really, neither am I.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: it's weird is- because I can rem- I I vividly remember that day, you know, being in the office and selling cookies, and it was like one of the last. I think it was the last time I was in the office.
1: It would have been yeah, because it was this time last year.
0: Yeah,
1: and in two weeks we got sent home.
0: Yeah, so it was the last time I was in the office, and it already kind of felt kind of weird.
1: Well, you're in the other building. Mm -hmm. You're in number eight. Yep. Which, rumour has it, because so few people want to go back to work after this, Uh and they're just quite happy working from home, myself included, we don't need these two massive buildings that that house (laughs) four and a half thousand people. That they just built. Yes, spent a hundred million dollars building the second one.
0: They're beautiful.
1: So this, the thinking is that everyone would just move to eight and they'd rent out number one.
0: Huh, interesting. Yeah.
1: Number one's just been revamped, just been brought up mm-hmm. uh, to make it look a bit more modern. Yeah. It's an older building. Yeah, it's an 80s building, Or a 90s building. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Fascinating stuff. So uh, we talked at length about the geography of one of the buildings that we work at. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty poor week on the cobbles. Tracy and Peter engage in a bidding war on number one. Kevin and Abby's alibi fall to pieces and results in someone determined to get their hole. James is deflated by Ed's confession to Danny. Bethany somehow gets an offer for an internship at that London, despite her writing being below par for a writing course. Mm -hmm. I remember being outraged about that. Daniel makes a life decision that Beth hates. Gemma goes stretching with people who secretly hate her. Tim's dad kills a chicken. Our moment of the week was James confronting his dad about being gay. And our boring moment of the week was David telling DJ Ryan to turn up the music that Adam Stagg do.
0: Isn't it interesting that it was a year ago that Charlotte the Chicken met her end. Yep. And then this week we attempt to add a new Bronte sister to the to the hen house. We do.
1: And that was Cornish Street on the top of the street this time last year. Shall we
0: dive in, my dear? Oh, yes, please.
1: Our first storyline this week. Is what? (laughs) Is our Peter's liver story.
0: (laughs) Fool me once.
1: (laughs) I just saw the clip of George Bush doing that. No, we've got a saying in Texas, I think you say it in Tennessee, fool me once. You won't fool me. (laughs) Stop fooling me. Stop trying to fool me. On Monday at the factory, Carla's aggressively battering away at her keyboard when in comes Lucas, who doesn't work at the factory and doesn't have a meeting at the factory. But Sarah okays it because anyone can just wander in whenever they feel like it. Lucas lays down an awful lot of exposition in a very short time. He's been pitching Underworld to his boss, Martha, and has scheduled a one-to-one meeting with her and Carla in Harrogate that he apparently won't be able to attend or something.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know you can get keyboards that make the little clickety clickety noise because people miss the clickety clickety noise?
1: Sure. <laughs> Later, Sarah checks in with Carla and is surprised when Carla is wetting herself with excitement about this presentation to Martha and she wonders if there's history between her and Lucas. Carla insists not. And besides, Lucas isn't even going to be there. She just fancied a night in with Peter. But she'll go do the presentation and blow it out of the water because, let's face it, she's the only one there who could burn.
0: Yeah, there's... I thought we'd gotten past the bad blood between these two. No. Obviously not. No. Now,
1: at the time when...
0: I'm trying to think. Adam
1: boffed. Carla.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think if my boss had sex with you, would I forgive her?
1: If we weren't, if we were estranged, because they were estranged.
0: They were estranged, that's true. Still, I've had other husbands (laughs) sleep with people when we were estranged and it didn't feel good.
1: I don't imagine it would feel good.
0: No. But they weren't my bosses. So.
1: You'd probably just grin and bear it. Although I'm not sure who the boss is in this situation.
0: Yeah, because Carla's a, not really the boss. Sarah's a knower, partner, isn't she? Yeah. And Carla doesn't own any bit of the factory anymore because she gave all of her shares to the people. What's to the it? Knicker people.
1: Oh I miss the Knicker people. And their songs. Remember their <laughs> songs? The little mining songs that they had. <laughs>
0: Hi ho, hi ho! It's off to stitch I go.
1: She was brought in as a kind of firefighter, wasn't she? To
0: yeah, not really sure what her position is anymore.
1: Battering the keyboard seems to be her (laughs) position of choice. Anyway, at number one, someone. At number one, somehow Ken is managing to be annoying about jigsaws. Carla comes in and it's all very pleasant until she mentions that she has this meeting for a national account for work, and Peter loses his shit because she promised to have a takeaway tea with him.
0: Seriously, he's such a baby. <laughs> he's such a baby. It's just he couldn't have been more of let's a baby. Please, end this relationship, please.
1: Sitting doing his. If only it had been like a sixteen-piece jigsaw, so. you know the big. Right. Sitting in his high chair, doing his 16 piece jigsaw, having a tantrum because Carla's going to a meeting. Right,
0: he's got the blankie, he's got his blankie.
1: Mm-hmm. He's got he's his wee got nook. His
0: nook, nook. <laughs> uh.
1: He also seems to think that this Lucas character is her ex and will be attending until she puts him right, but it doesn't matter. Go to your fucking meeting, he says. It's obvious you'd rather put your career ahead of me. And <laughs> Carla calls him a child and leaves.
0: Right. Because he's been a child Weirdly Oh god the whole Oh I see you'd rather put your career ahead of Our relationship
1: But you promised me a takeaway for tea Damn it
0: Right What
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sitting there with his little And she's brought him
0: lunch She's brought him lunch Mm Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not going to be able to bring you lunch later. So I brought it to you now. She's being considerate. She's being very considerate. She's being overly considerate.
1: Mm-hmm. Ugh. So weirdly, Carla has Throw been at work. Throw the whole work, man out. Left, come back, and Lucas is still there. Carla's on the phone trying to get Sarah in on this meeting thing, but she dingies it. Lucas doesn't want anything to be weird after the last time that they met, and Carla wants some tips from Lucas On how to win Martha over during this very important presentation. And I was kind of confused that there's a a meeting later, but they're having a meeting before the meeting. Right. I think, isn't it? Yes. And that's the meeting that Sarah dingies, not the meeting later.
0: Right, because she's not, because Sarah's not going to the meeting later, but Carla wanted Sarah there for this meeting because this meeting was to talk about what. Lucas's company wants and what they're interested in and so it would be important for Sarah to know these things as well going forward if they get the contract so that she knows what to tell the nigger people what to make.
1: This is a mess It's a mess Back at number one Ken points out that Peter was rather short with Carla earlier and then Peter is rather short with Ken when he tells him he doesn't know how many times he has to agree before Ken will shut up I know dad, yeah I know dad Yes I know Keep this up says Ken and you really will be on your own Mm -hmm. You naughty boy
0: Mm -hmm.
1: At the factory Lucas's main tip is not to start a sentence With the word so Yeah, I would be fucked (laughs) And I didn't I didn't used to do this And I feel like I do it all the time And it annoys me, it annoys me when I hear it Mm -hmm. That it's impossible to start a sentence Without saying so
0: I don't think I've ever heard you start a sentence with the word So,
1: and it's like that. Hmm. And I blame my co-worker Nathan who says it all the time.
0: I don't know that I notice. I don't think it's that big of a deal.
1: It annoys me when I do it. You're so cute. So, you know.
0: No. (laughs) You're so cute.
1: Uh, Where are we?
0: I don't know. Oh, the word So. Lucas tells Carla not to start a sentence with the word so.
1: He then goes back in his word and starts down the hole. What happened to the Carla I used to know in Devon line? Just as Peter, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory with a floral apology.
0: Which is also ridiculous.
1: And he overhears them talking about him and his alcoholism. And she admits if she had another chance, maybe she'd take a different path. Peter slinks off as Lucas says that she's trapped in the relationship and misses all the bits where Carla insists that she loves Peter no matter what and he's her soulmate and she'd never give up on him. And outside, Peter throws the flowers in the garbage.
0: And I throw up in my mouth a little bit. (laughs) Soulmate. (laughs) I see Carla as a mature, responsible badass mature responsible badasses don't say things like this guy i'm in a toxic relationship in he's my soulmate Mm -hmm. it just it just burns me up that they build these female characters up to be super women and then put them with subpar men and all of a sudden they become blubbery idiots i kind of hate it
1: soulmate equals obsession I think. that's an obsessive relationship, isn't it?
0: Well, I mean, you're my soulmate, but our relationship is not toxic. And I don't really think of you as my soulmate, even though you are. Yeah. yeah. It's like a... Yeah. It's just a... It's not... It, it's, you're, my,
1: you're my lobster.
0: Right. Yeah. This is... It, it's not something... Like, if somebody said, came to me and said, Why are you with Gav? Why... Why did you decide to marry Gav? The first thing that I would say... I feel
1: like I'm under pressure here.
0: No, the first thing I would say would not be, well, he's my soulmate. Because there are lots of other things that...
1: He starts sentences (laughs) so far too often.
0: There's so many other things about our relationship and how well it works. And, you know how symbiotic it is and everything and how we support one another and build one another up. And yet we can also be on our own. And that doesn't make me feel any less of a person. It doesn't make you feel any less of a person when we go and do things on our own, you know, that we're secure in our relationship. So many things would come up before the word soulmate. Right. So if you're starting a, well, why are you with this guy with, he's my soulmate? That means you have nothing else.
1: It also makes it not true. It it makes it, uh, this is a crutch that you can fall on. Right. As a kind of uh, panacea, if you will. Mm-hmm. This explains everything. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I just call him a soulmate, then that forgives everything that happens that's negative between us because right. we're still together because we're, we're soulmates. soulmates, trademark.
0: We're meant to be. Right. Yeah.
1: It, it kind of... Uh, Devolves any further examination or or critique of it If you just say, well, it's soulmates
0: Absolutely, yeah <laughs> Back home Bet you weren't expecting to have that conversation on a podcast
1: No, I feel like I've earned my money Even though we're not getting paid Back home, Carla offers to stay But Peter is in a mood again And Carla hasn't seen him not in a mood today She hopes he's in a better mood when she gets back He thinks it would be better if his lover failed when she was away <laughs> at least he wouldn't have to look at her long suffering face anymore
0: God he's such an asshole Jump <laughs> his ass
1: On the street An upset Carla runs into Jenny And Jenny thaws somewhat when she sees Carla in such a state What a pair of silly moves they are she says Fighting fit with dotty old codgers for their other halves mm-hmm. She suggests that they meet up tonight over a bottle of five of vino de plonk And put the world to rights Carla has that meeting But she's easily persuaded to drop Sarah in it last minute you're on
0: right yeah Sarah who Lucas very specifically says oh well it's only meant to be a one on one Mm -hmm. and I mentioned Carla Mm -hmm. in the very beginning of this
1: Uh, but now it becomes (laughs) obvious why they've made such a big deal to notice the fact that Lucas isn't going to be there
0: right yeah
1: have you noticed yet we've said that Lucas isn't going to be there it flashed up on the screen (laughs) Lucas will not be in attendance
0: it was up in lights right over the over the Costa
1: did a three or four minute song and dance routine <laughs> on the cobbles just to reinforce it
0: yeah Mary and Brian and Kathy doing a cad cad line <laughs> wearing S- tutus
1: sadly is it weird that I'm thinking about photoshopping that <laughs> Sadly, Daisy was also invited, and she wastes no time in moaning at Jenny and Carla for not being younger and more cynical or something. Carla starts worrying, somewhat belatedly, about the pounding that she's given her kidney. They work through another couple of bottles when Peter calls, and Carla's too pissed to answer, so let's go to voicemail. And Jenny suggests sending a text saying that she'll see him tomorrow. So that's what Carla does.
0: Yeah, it would be so easy. It would be so easy to say, I'm at the Rovers with Jenny. I'll see you in a little bit. It would be so easy to not lie in this situation,
1: mm-hmm. but she's had a few drinks. So, for the first time in a long time, though, remember we've given uh, Ryan a hard time for for his drunken. Uh, <laughs> I think, and, and we gave Addie a, a bit of a hard time as well. I think for being drunken at the party. Carla does. Sound and look a bit pished during this. Yeah, good job. She's she's
0: much better at it than uh Jenny and Daisy. She's just because Jenny slurring just enough is a little overboard.
1: Just to um, you do it too much and it sounds like you're putting on. You don't do it at all and you don't notice it. So she's just doing slurring enough, yeah, and getting enough right for it to work. I think
0: Alison King's a great actress. Yeah.
1: So then Adam drops in the number one to be Adam Exposition. Right. And to see how Peter is doing. But he's really there to explain that Sarah's at that meeting in Harrogate, not Carla. And Lucas ain't in Harrogate neither. Fancy a cuppa?
0: hmm
1: More wine later. And Jenny's talking, trying to talk to Carla and to Rita's old nighty. Oh, <laughs> oh, I did not need to see that. Peter calls again. And Daisy answers, saying that she can pretend to be Carla. But she bottles it and throws the phone at Carla. When she talks to Peter, he instantly he's instantly suspicious that something's wrong and can hear Daisy saying something so thinks there's somebody in the room. Uh. But Carla denies it and says that she's at the hotel. She can't speak right now and she'll see him tomorrow, but Again. it's clear that Peter is not convinced.
0: Again, it would be so easy to just clear it up right then and there.
1: I've got pissed with Jenny. Yeah. You're in a fucking stinking mood today. Right. I'm just going to sleep over here and I'll see you tomorrow.
0: Right. Yeah. Would have been so Problem easy. Problem solved. Problem solved Well, This is
1: partly the problem of these characters and other characters But these characters in particular That the easiest track for them is to always go down the lying route And we're, what, two weeks into new Carl and Peter Where they've been honest with each other And and admitted their feelings and blah 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 And they lied to each other last week And they're lying to each other again this week
0: Yeah Come on
1: Learn from your mistakes. Yes. On Wednesday, Carla is up after spending the night at the pub and she wonders if Peter's called and Jenny, who's doing Pilates, says, not since last night when it all comes flooding back to Carla, who can't hold a drink all of a sudden. Jenny advises lying, but Carla seems to think that fibbing over the phone about being in the hotel in Harrogate is worse than doing it face-to-face. Oh, pigs' tits, says Carla. Back at number one, Steve has made Peter breakfast, but he can't face it. He's too consumed by the idea of Carla can't lying. can't
0: face breakfast.
1: <laughs> He's too consumed Such by the moan. idea of Carla lying about being in Harrogate when she's clearly been getting her hole off of Lucas. Steve has no idea who Lucas is, so Peter <laughs> has to explain. Bitches and hoes, says Steve. Bitches and hoes. And then, While
0: looking over his shoulder to make sure that Tracy didn't hear him <laughs> say that. <laughs> right.
1: Then Peter, who doesn't work at the factory, goes round to the factory looking at all French in a little flat cap that he's wearing. Hoi, hoi, ho. He lets Carla uh, start to lie about staying at the hotel, but Peter reveals that he knows. He's upset to think about her and Lucas together, but he can't really blame her. Carla insists that nothing is going on between her and Lucas. She stayed at Jenny's last night. Fair enough, says Peter, but what about you telling Lucas that you wished that they'd never got back together? Uh-huh. And Carla sighs Despite it all She still loves him But wonders if she's the one That's pushing him to drink And killing him And she calls herself toxic Maybe without her He'd (sighs) have had a better life And during this Lucas comes in Carla makes introductions Peter isn't keen to get acquainted And leaves Lucas says that Sarah Did a great job during that meeting The deal's in the post So he's going to be Hanging around here more often Carla insists that she's fine with that And doesn't want any special treatment Or for him to try and avoid her and later, they're leaving the factory, and Lucas is continuing to insist that he knows Carla, and the Carla that he knew wouldn't b- would be out celebrating this deal and dancing on tables in Devon. Carla says that she isn't that person anymore. She keeps on reminding them. So Lucas turns his attention to Peter and tries to score some points there. He offers his ear to talk as mates, but she doesn't think it's a great idea. And that's as far as we get with that this week.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've soured on Lucas as well because he keeps this whole this isn't the Carla that I knew when from what I understand they were acquaintances mm-hmm. they've only met like one or two times before yep. so he has this idealized idea of what she is in in his head which she points out isn't a truth as it is because she was putting on a false happy face because she just found out that her <laughs> kidney was failing right
1: so uh, you're not the person that i thought you were going to be and it is your fault and your responsibility to become that person i expect right. you to be based on a fleeting acquaintance <laughs> a number of years ago when you were seriously ill
0: right yeah he's just not letting this go no and it's kind of annoying
1: it's still good that they got the deal though eh? Uh,
0: yes <laughs> you know what else is annoying I meant to make a Britney Spears joke when you were talking about Carla calling herself toxic, and I forgot to do it. Oh, that's Same.
1: why your stand-up comedian <laughs> career came to a shuddering halt. Yes, thinking about all the jokes that you could have told right after the fact.
0: Yeah. Oh well, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll, I'll get a chance to make a Britney Spears joke. A kind Britney Spears joke that is a play on. The names of her songs. Oh, don't, and don't
1: explain the joke that you haven't told. Well,
0: no, and I I just want to make sure people know that I would never, ever make a joke about her personal life because I'm more Craig Ferguson than, um, that guy with the chin. What's his name? Jay Leno. Yes,
1: that guy with the chin, which I think honestly is most guys. <laughs> but I was able to whittle it down. Right. To Jay Leno. Jay Leno was also- awful. Monica Lewinsky, between Britney Spears and Monica Lewinsky, that's how Jay Leno got like 95% of his material
0: It just makes me angry all over again that Such he a got, hunk as well That he got that gig instead of David Letterman But that's neither here nor there What gig? The Tonight Show When
1: What did Letterman have?
0: Well, Letterman At, <laughs> at the time Letterman's Late Late Show followed The Tonight Show and so it was always assumed that when Johnny Carson retired, that Letterman would get the gig. But then Jay Leno got the gig instead. And that's and so he got the gig. Letterman quit The Late Late Show in disgust. They hired Coden to take that over. And then Letterman moved to CBS and had a far more successful career with The Late Show with David Letterman.
1: Was it Colbert does? He does a late Show. Uh,
0: Colbert took over for uh Letterman.
1: Right. And Seth Myers is doing S-
0: Seth Myers took over <laughs> for Coden. Right. Yeah.
1: Our next one <laughs> <have> today.
0: <laughs> it's a die the the uh, the late show format is a dying art anyway but that's neither here nor there. Our next.
1: Yep. is a good time to be a woman or a person of colour when it comes to late-night talk shows. Uh, (laughs) No comment. Our next storyline today is Tim's fucking dad. On Monday, at speed dial, Alia, Yasmin and Tim's mum are having some awful banter about fingers and thumbs. Wouldn't it be funny if all your fingers were thumbs? Yas- all right, your thumbs were fingers. Yasmin, though, no, is in a good mood today because uh, and thinks it's time for Tim's mum to learn the ropes in the back of the house and for her to help Alia in the front. Alia's pleased that her gran is taking this positive step and all is going well until a big lanky drink of water shows up wanting to know if Tim's dad is there <laughs> because he's looking for a magician to hire for his niece's communion party or something. Yasmin freaks out and runs to hide behind the point-of-sale machine. Later. The guy actually turns out to be kind of creepy when Yasmin delivers his veggie samosas, and he bangs on the on about hiring Tim's dad again. She accidentally knocks over a glass of water. Tim's mum rushes over to mop it up, while Yasmin hightails it out of the restaurant, proving she knows how to do The Vanishing Lady.
0: But I'm pumped Thank you very much. Oh, so, this this seems to imply that Tim's dad at work at Speed Doll was doing magic tricks for the customers
1: Hide the sausage
0: well, <laughs> I'm bringing them their food I would hate that
1: I, I don't know if that's what they they're suggesting they're <laughs> there's suggesting there's something
0: napkins It is sleeve he pulls them out like the kerchiefs. Mm-hmm. where's your fork oh here it is behind your ear that Wait, would be awful Where's your bef-
1: punch in the face?
0: Oh. <laughs> that would have been awful before COVID
1: <laughs> Alia and Tim's mum uh, chase Yasmin back home She's apologetic for reacting like that to Tim's dad's name And for everything that she did Allowing him to run the business into the ground And Tim's mum suggests that they de-Tim's dad the place Alia's all for it They've already stopped serving booze Now let's fix that menu that he did his best to fuck up And they all jump in the air and high five
0: Yes. Which is nice. Things are going really well for Yasmin. Everything's really positive. She's. She...
1: I'm going to make it after all. Leaving the restaurant to Sonia and Navid, they set about making plans, redecorating, updating the menu with new dishes. Yasmin wants to talk about suppliers, so Alia goes to get a pen and ends up finding a ton of unopened mail with final notice written on the <laughs> envelopes. Oh, Gran! She admits that she let all this get on top of her Alia blames herself But these aren't even uh, Yasmin's debts But they're in her name, says Yasmin, And she has no idea how much she owes Or how she's ever going to pay it back Later, when it's just Alia and Tim's mum Tim's mum explains that she went through this all too God, Tim's mum Let Yasmin have something on her own, please And she had to pay it all back Alia thought that they might have been able to write it all off Tim's mum thinks that maybe the banks are more enlightened these days So Alia goes to see Imran and weirds everyone out by sitting in Adam's chair. She wonders if court (laughs) records will help with clearing the debt and freeing Yasmin of responsibility. Imran suggests speaking to the bank about that. And oh, by the way, while I have you, you guys still owe me for getting Yasmin off. Sheepishly, Alia promises that he's top of the list of people to be paid.
0: Is is Imran's business going to fold if he doesn't get the $6,000? He
1: still wants paid, though.
0: Seriously, though. Come on, Imran.
1: Back home, Alia has done her sums. Yasmin is in the hole for 29 Gs.
0: Then again, I think Leanne still owes Imran money too. Everyone owns
1: Imran money. With 6 Gs and legal costs. No, I think, was Imran not doing that pro bono? And it was the other guy. What was his name? Lionel or something. The other guy. Right.
0: Oh, so he can do pro bono for Toya's sister, but not for Yasmin.
1: Right. I was kind of disappointed that the only oh. And total thirty five thousand. It seemed like they could probably find that if they really tried.
0: Yeah, you know, when when she's like, "Oh, it'll take it'll take forever to pay off twenty nine grand."
1: Yeah, thirty five thousand seems to be kind of in the realm of student loan ish debt.
0: Well, in fairness, I'm I'm still paying off my student loans, and I have been for the past twenty years.
1: Yeah, yeah, just got a loan and pay it off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Consolidate it, it, pay it off. Well, yeah, it's.
1: Or sell that fucking community centre. Which is what, which
0: is what's <laughs> right, going right,
1: to happen. Right. They need to go and speak to the bank, but Yasmin looks on it as opening old wounds. The longer they leave it, says Alia, the harder it's going to be to fix. Mm-hmm. So on Wednesday at breakfast, Alia's sorting Yasmin's nasty bills in order of priority, but thinks it looks like the only way out of this is to sell the community centre. And Yasmin boxed at the idea, saying knowing it was there to help women was what got through what got her through prison. Without it, Tim's dad really well have won. I,
0: is that really what the community centre is for? To to help women?
1: It was I mean, help the the knicker factory I saw. So.
0: Right. For the log, yeah. The knicker factory had taken over the community centre for the longest time. I mean, I know they had like different groups come in to do baby yoga and stuff
1: yeah and audrey would go in for the occasional pamphlet during business hours
0: right yeah but
1: factory slash community center
0: yes it, it seems to me like Yasmin is making a bigger deal i mean i can kind of understand her saying it was the only thing of mine that tim's dad never touched right that i understand but the whole you know making it out to be this grand thing that it really wasn't. Yeah.
1: And we never really see it, so I don't think it No, we haven't
0: really seen it in, for the longest time. Since because the factory moved out. Right. And COVID, so we, we're not having, like, group lessons. Although, I guess Tyrone is going to yoga somewhere.
1: Later. Jasmine's <laughs> looking for a jewelry box so she can sell off some of the uh, guilt gifts that she got from Sharif. And some medals from Alia's dad.
0: Guilt as in G-U-I-L-T. Yeah. Not guilt as in G-I-L-T. Yep.
1: I think that was clear in my pronunciation. (laughs) Alia goes to speak to Ryan, promising to come back to help her look for it. So Alia has found a box at Speeddal and takes it back to Yasmin, who opens it and discovers that the medals and jewellery are gone. Tim's dad must have got his rotten mitts in them after all. Yasmin's day gets significantly worse when there's a knock at the door and it's a pair of bailiffs looking to retrieve the debt. The bailiffs are actually pretty reasonable people.
0: Yeah, they're (laughs) they're they're not mean. No. They're just doing their job.
1: Nor heavies. No. At, at the moment, one thinks that they would probably become that if yeah, they get fucked If they, had around, to. Right? Yeah. they have sympathy for the situation, but at the end of the day, it's Yasmin's name that's on the loans. The debt is outstanding and she has to pay. And he suggests that they talk about working out an affordable payment plan. And they have to draw up a list of items that they can recover if that payment plan isn't right.
0: maintained. Yeah. All of yet- this seems very reasonable.
1: Alia is stubborn, no. And Yasmin panics. But the bailiffs quickly, compassionately, and efficiently. Get on with the job at hand. Right. Yasmin's day doesn't get any better at the bank. Her signature is on all the loans and there's no proof that Tim's dad coerced her into anything. Yasmin drifts off at this and because the bank manager is also called Tim's dad she imagines Tim's dad berating her for her stupidity from beyond the grave. Ooh! Yasmin says that she needs to go but it's unclear if she means home or to the lavatory. And apparently, I retweeted this, someone said on twitter that in actual fact banks these days Uh, they really are more enlightened and they're more likely to take into consideration this sort of thing of women who particularly are forced to do this sort. right
0: and you know the guy's kind of a dick about it you know and and yet you know there was a court case that found that he was using coercive control so why why doesn't yasmin And Alia bring that up when Alia specifically went to Imran to talk about it and say, should we bring this up?
1: Imran was more interested in getting paid.
0: Well, yeah, but still, (laughs) you know, this is something that Alia has in her head that they do have proof. So why don't they bring that up when they actually go to the meeting with the bank? Because he very specifically says, well, you know, women come in here all the time and say blah, 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 you know, and there's no proof. There is proof
1: That man is divorced <laughs> And that man does not have access to his kids Alia has <laughs> another goal. he's go an alcoholic At home To get shot at that community centre But Yasmin says it's named after Alia's mother For the love of God And it's the only thing that, that's truly hers She'll never be rid of Tim's dad, she says and then there's another scene that basically repeats the thrust of the previous scene, except is worried that Yasmin is getting so worked up that she'll have another heart attack. And this time it'll be for keeps. Yasmin is made of anxiety and rushes upstairs.
0: Yeah, I hate this. I hate this whole thing. It's like, hasn't Yasmin been through enough? Do we really need to watch her go through further I devastation? Guess it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind it's, of like, you know, with Asha's storylines constantly being... Awful oh, and traumatic, over yeah. and over and over again. It's like, can't we cut Yasmin some slack? Spread the doom and gloom around, please.
1: Well, yeah, they have really eked this out as long as possible because Seriously. we had up to the point where uh, Yasmin twats Tim's dad, and then we have the whole Yasmin in prison thing. Then we have the whole court case and the trial thing. Right. And now we're having the kind of the, the the post-traumatic. Effect of it all, right? And then the financial burden on top of it—it it just seems like it's it is one thing after another. But I feel and like it's whole, probably true of the story that she's—he has landed her in this,
0: right? Yeah, but this show is not well known for being historically accurate <laughs> on lots of things.
1: It's not Time Team, no,
0: no. It's so we can leave a few things that might be accurate to a situation out.
1: But we saw Tim's dad take out all these loans. (laughs) They had to be dealt with at some point. Yeah. I I think Yasmin's sunny day is not too far in the future. No. On Friday, Alia has said, fuck it, we're still in that community centre whether you want to or not. And the price of that is that Yasmin wants nothing to do with showing the estate agent round. Also, Ryan and Alia agree to some time with each other later at Speed Dial. At Tim's, Tim's mum is explaining about Yasmin selling the community centre to get her hands on some cash. It's a shame, but at least she has Alia. Tim doesn't know how Tim's mum got through it on her own. I cuddled a dog a lot. Whatever the <laughs> fuck that means, says Tim's mum. If only they could do something to make Yasmin feel less lonely. Yeah. So mum doesn't mom,
0: like dogs though.
1: So Tim's mum goes round to see Yasmin. Seems that she's had an idea. Congratulations. Here's a chicken, she says, <laughs> to replace Charlotte Bronte. You can call it Emily, or you can call it Ah, or no, or you can call it. What was the other one? I can't remember.
0: Uh, the brother's name. The the Bronte brother who everybody forgets, who has a weird name.
1: Craig. <laughs> Yasmin has never looked more than she's about to punch Tim's mum than she did in that moment. She explains that she can barely look after herself, never mind more poultry. Then Tim comes into a it's nice... It's
0: just one more chicken. It's th- just one more chicken. It's not going to add that much more... Of anything than the two she has right now. It's not like one more chicken is going to put her over the edge.
1: But literally, there is a saying for that. It is the chicken that broke the camel's back. Then Tim boshes in to announce that he's got a missed call from Tim's dad's solicitor, and then he leaves.
0: Branwell. That was the name of the brother. The Bronte brother.
1: I no longer care.
0: Branwell Bronte.
1: At home, Tim fills in Sally on the solicitor of stuff while Tim's mum goes off to try and fix the chicken situation, which I presume means killing it. Tim's mum loves to try and fix people, says Tim. Yeah, a bit too much, I'm starting to think.
0: Well, I think she feels a bit... I, I think she's projecting an awful lot onto Yasmin about her own situation because they are so very bit. similar. But I, I, it also feels like this is kind of therapy for her, is that if she can fix Yasmin's life... It will mean that the ruin that was her life meant something. It gives meaning to you know
1: She's quantum leap.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Tim's mum who's becoming Only a not bit, as hot. Who's becoming a bit of an irritant has dragged Yasmin to Speeddal, the restaurant that she owns and works at, to apologize. Ryan looks like he's expecting Tim's mum to present Yasmin with a cow. Everyone wants to have a lovely evening in the place that they're never away from when Yasmin notices the The D Tim's Dad menu with a new specialist that she was supposed to be working on with Navid Aya told him to press on without her And she's already sorted out new suppliers Jasmine isn't happy about being kept in the dark And Tim's mum says people were only trying to help Well people need to quit trying to fucking help, says Jasmine She doesn't want new chickens and she doesn't want to go back to normal Back at Tim's, before she goes home, Tim's mum thinks that she's the one holding Yasmin back, that every time Yasmin sees Tim's mum, it's a reminder of Tim's dad. Oh, Tim's mum, says Tim. Then Sally comes down the stairs of Discovery with a basin full of cleaning products. The state of Faye's bedroom has taken a dive since she and Craig started dating again. And Tim reveals that he's heard back from the solicitor. Tim's dad has left him everything. Tim now owns half the house and a quarter of Speeddal. I'm thinking how this is going to help Yasmin with her financial problems and I don't think it does unless he sells his quarter of speed dial to a third party and then gives the money to Yasmin that, that doesn't really that help do?
0: that doesn't really help Yasmin though because then Yasmin has a third party
1: mm-hmm. but she has the know, cash
0: in speed dial but she's already going to get the cash because she's selling the community, the community centre yeah. which really honestly has to go
1: do you think Tim is going to be a silent partner in Spedal or is he going to just try and turn it into a burger and chips place?
0: I think he's just going to give his shares to Yasmeen. Oh, maybe, yeah. Because he doesn't want he it. He doesn't
1: want it, doesn't need it. No. Wouldn't know what to do with it if he had no. it. No.
0: Mm-hmm. He doesn't need half of that house. He could not He could insist. I don't think he, he's not that kind of person. He already feels bad because that piece of shit was his dad.
1: Yeah, and they kind of reinforced that this week of how yeah. bad he felt about the stuff that he's done. Oh, not only the, all this, but he stole from you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's feeling kind of yeah a bit guilty about by association with yeah. Tim's dad. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'd, I'd like this to... I feel like I've been saying this for like 18 months. I'd quite like, like this to be...
0: Wrapped up, done, and yeah.
1: Let's move on to let's move on to other, other things. things for Yasmin.
0: Let's let's further explore Alia and Ryan's relationship.
1: Which they basically said no one's thought about this for the right. longest time. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't because seen because
0: Ryan and Alia were supposed to go alone out to dinner someplace other than Speed Doll, and what happens? They get stuck having dinner at Speed Doll with Tim's mum and Yasmin because
1: mm-hmm. they can't go to the bistro because I think it's still shut after the whole. Yeah, they're still
0: renovating and stuff. They could go someplace. They could go to... No, Roy's Rolls isn't open for dinner.
1: For dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day, my darling. We're going to Roy's Rolls.
0: See, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't.
1: Well, because it means (laughs) going to the UK. Right. If it was... And
0: hanging out with Roy. And Nina. Two people that I
1: love.
0: Not as much as you.
1: Interesting. (laughs) Our next storyline today is SummerSlam. On Monday, The Undertaker bumps into Eileen and butters her up by telling her that her hair looks like pasta. (laughs) Well, she likes pasta. It seems that Tim will be the one driving the hair. A
0: cloud of pasta.
1: (laughs) For his funeral. And The Undertaker is worried that he'll be a fucking sight. Eileen takes umbrage at this and insists that Tim will be on time, smartly dressed and will drive as smooth as silk. In Roy's Rolls, Steve and Tim are discussing what kind of crisp they would be when Eileen comes in, who they reckon would be a rigid salt and vinegar, hardy with a pleasant sharpness. She orders Tim to get his suit ready for the funeral tomorrow and this puts Steve's nose out of joint. He wants to drive the hearse, so he and Tim bicker about it. Which
0: makes no sense. It makes no sense that Steve, who just lost his son...
1: And Tim's dad... Tim, who's just lost tim's dad
0: yeah but tim and tim's dad tim's happy his dad is dead let's let's not forget right steve is not happy oliver's dead
1: Hmm. eileen decides on a hearse-off. so with tim and steve dressed like reservoir dogs she explains the plan to the undertaker who seems bemused by the whole thing but goes along with it because of eileen steve's up first and when he gets back the undertaker has shot his pants steve seems to be under the impression that it was all about speed Plus, he didn't stop whistling the entire time.
0: Right. Like people don't want to see a happy Undertaker.
1: <laughs> the Undertaker needs gravitas. Tim says he has gravitas falling out of his arse. Let me show you how it's done. <laughs> the Undertaker needs a minute and flashes a smile at Eileen. And at Roy's rolls, Eileen announces that Tim was a winner. Steve thinks that The Undertaker is a bit of a control freak anyway. And when Eileen sticks up for him, Steve and Tim both reckon The Undertaker is her new boyfriend. We then hear a largely pointless anecdote of a time that Tim broke too harshly and a dog flew through the cab window.
0: Which is not funny.
1: No. There's an awful lot of this that is meant to be funny that that isn't really funny. I kind of find the concept of it funny and the idea that... See, Steve has been at a funeral
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and Steve knows that hersies don't typically go fast.
0: Yeah, both. Uh, but, but yeah, he as, thinks as he's pointed, on the top gear. Uh, as you pointed out, circuit. both Steve and Tim have been at funerals recently.
1: Mm-hmm. So you'd think that Steve would have a better idea how to drive a horse and maybe not whistle. But it, it, the idea of it makes me laugh. On Wednesday, and number eight, <laughs> this was funny. Because for the entirety of this scene, I'm like, "What on earth is going on here? Why is the camera at this weird angle? And why is the, the bottom half of Audrey cut off when she's sitting down?" It's because Ted's coffin is in the room,
0: right? Which is a wicker basket. Right. I kind of like that because you know, if it's just going to be, if yeah, if it's just going to be cremated anyway, mm-hmm. why not just cheapest chips? Stuff them as, stuff them in a wicker basket.
1: Stick stuff in me in a wicker mark.
0: basket. Make me the wicker man. I don't care. you did, de- yeah.
1: So anyway, Ted's coffin and an enormous wreath are in the living room. David is appalled, but a very... Well, up- it
0: looks like an enormous wreath. But later it's on, really it doesn't look like an enormous wreath.
1: Camera trickery. And I wonder how much of a... Um, you're talking about the emotion of uh, Steve and Tim, mm-hmm. to a lesser extent. The emotion of Sue Nichols' Filming a funeral Still, scene.
0: A comedic funeral scene when her husband has just died.
1: Mm-hmm. And you go to think She's that a the, pro. The, the, the timing of that was probably quite
0: right. quite close. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I was talking about um Simon whatever his last name is, who plays Steve you know, Yeah. During the whole Oliver thing when mm-hmm. you know he had lost he had lost a baby once. You know, it's these people are pros. Yeah. Sue, Sue Nichols, though, but a, she had just lost her husband.
1: She had a few tears there that I wondered how many of them were were real.
0: Yeah.
1: I love Sue Nichols. Yeah,
0: me too. She is a pro.
1: Anyway, uh, David is appalled, but very upset. Audrey explains that in her youth, they used to put dead relatives in the kitchen. Yeah, in Victorian times, says David. <laughs> you cheeky fucker, says Audrey.
0: <laughs> that was funny.
1: Gail thought it important for Ted to come home one last time for people to say goodbye and now we just wait for Eileen Grimshaw to fuck everything up <laughs> Outside of the car, Tim's hat's too big he's spilled peri peri sauce down his shirt and he hasn't had a shave and then Steve idles along to offer support and give Tim the willies but not like that, about driving about with a cadaver in the back seat with tails off, tap 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 on coffins Eileen's insistence that nothing goes wrong today looks like it's falling on deaf ears the coffin it's is now Steve's in the house. Being a bit of a dick here. Totally, the coffin is now in the house, and who knows how it got there. But Tim can't keep his eyes off it. The undertaker comes out with the wreath, but <clears throat> doesn't have the keys to the back, so lays the wreath on the ground at the back of the house and goes into number eight to get his keys. While Eileen tells Tim to snap out of it and get in the car. Unfortunately, she chooses to tap on the roof of the car while they wait on the undertaker, and that's enough to scare Tim off. He leaves a cap on the bonnet of the car and literally runs away while an amused Steve looks on from the other side of the street.
0: Right, and you would think that this would be the time for Steve to step out of the shadows, wearing his suit, ready to go.
1: I'll deliver this baby.
0: Right. That's not what That's happens, not what though, happens. and it, that doesn't make any sense.
1: He decides that he can't be arsed either. Yeah,
0: he's like, well, I fucked this up, and now I'm just going to fuck off. <laughs> the
1: what? Pl- the Plats are not amused, and Gail doesn't seem to recognise Tim as she reacts to him as that driver. The Undertaker says that Tim ate a dodgy prawn sandwich and the shot himself, while Eileen scrambles to try and find an alternative. <laughs> With Steve on a job, <coughs> so to speak. Yeah. The alternative is Eileen in a cap and a puffer puffer jacket. The Undertaker is very aroused by this, <laughs> less so when Eileen looks ill-equipped to drive a hearse and ends up running over the wreath that was inexplicably still on the ground behind right. the car. yeah. Gail is furious. All she wanted was to say goodbye with dignity, but Eileen has taken that from her. Eileen tries to throw Tim under the hearse, but the Platts aren't having it and the Undertaker clotheslines Eileen's head clean off her shoulders. <laughs> She's done enough damage for one day. Has she, though? She ran over a wreath that she didn't know was there and shouldn't right. have been there in the first place. Right. And that's it.
0: Yeah.
1: It's really the undertaker's fault.
0: Right. And also, she's just... Well, she was responsible for getting this job for streetcars. So, they're kind of blaming her for Tim's behaviour and Steve's behaviour mm-hmm. and the fact that she couldn't find another driver. Right. So, and also...
1: They should have went with Lockies.
0: And also, Gail and Eileen have bad blood, which must must have happened well before i started watching the show it was all about
1: her son and sarah and then her son was gay and all that broke sarah's heart
0: well sarah seems to have moved on gail
1: everyone's moved on
0: right and it seems it seems like this this bad blood has just shown up recently again because oh, yeah, they've goes. been in scenes together And not been antagonistic towards one another. It's just all of a sudden now they're being antagonistic towards one another. Is it just because of The Undertaker? Uh,
1: uh, Yeah, Uh, ebbs and flows whenever there's a common interest, I think. And Eileen uh, had a go on Gail's husband. But I don't think he was married to Gail at the time.
0: And also this happened years and years and years ago.
1: Some years ago, yeah. Yeah. Clearly within living memory for for Gail.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it seems like too much is being made of this Gail I'm versus just Eileen that conflict.
1: In classic Corey, at the moment, Gail is very, very adamant that Nick not go out with Leanne. Because Leanne, that Battersby girl's going to ruin your life. Right, yep. And I'm slightly disappointed that Gail still isn't off that opinion and looks at grown up, middle aged Leanne still been a teenager that she was back at classic Corey times eh. and still called her a slut I, I, and all that. I
0: think I think initially initially when Nick first came back, Gail was saying things like that, but I think she has softened mm-hmm. to Leanne, especially because of Oliver and stuff.
1: So the Undertaker's driving the house and David takes the family car. Tim and Steve are hiding from Eileen and Roy's roles. Steve can't resist winding Tim up more about pissing off the ghost of Gail's dad. Then in comes Eileen, who, like the audience, doesn't find any of this funny. How do you think the platts feel about this, she says. She's ashamed of the pair of them. Back at number eight, the undertaker has gone to smooth things over, admit responsibility for the wreath, suggest it was no one's fault really that Tim ran off like a twat, but in Gail's mind this was all Eileen's fault and it was deliberate. She suggests that he cut all ties with that woman and it's very reminiscent like I said, of classic Cory at the moment, where Gail is in tears at the idea of Nick seeing Leanne. Steve, Tim and Eileen have moved on to the Rovers, where Steve uses the deaths of Oliver and Tim's dad's excuses. But he and Tim both agree that fucking up Ted's funeral was a right laugh, and anyway, they've offered Gail their empty apologies. Tim gets the beers in, with Eileen demanding champagne, and The Undertaker's music comes on. As he comes into the Rovers to see the celebration, he's never been so embarrassed and he blames Eileen. Eileen again points out that it really wasn't her fault, but he's having none of it and wants nothing more to do with her. Fine by me, Right, Why are Aileen. you
0: celebrating this? You right.
1: know. On Friday, Gail is still a bit down about the funeral and thinks that Eileen will be laughing her head off about it, but Audrey changes the subject to Fanny, who Gail has discovered may have a connection to a Mr. Churchill. Ooh. Audrey says Gail looked like Winston when she was young. Not when she was a baby. And
0: Gail points out that all babies look like Winston Churchill. And I'll just say, I wasn't talking about you when you were a baby. (laughs) I was talking
1: about you when you were young. In my roles, the undertaker Uh, sees Eileen and wants to berate her some more about the funeral and how how she was full of the joys in the pub. Eileen points out that Tim and Steve have both lost lost loved ones and she's been trying to keep streetcars afloat, so why don't you go fuck yourself? Right. The undertaker apologises. He stresses about work and he shouldn't have snapped at her. She accepts the apology and the mood thaws a bit until the undertaker reveals that he has somewhere to be with someone, and that somewhere turns out to be the library, and that someone turns out to be Gail. Later, Eileen runs into Audrey and expresses her concerns that Gail might be losing what remains of her marbles, and she's convinced and concerned about her, and she's concerned about her and the undertaker. Audrey tells her to mind her own beeswax and wanders off. Fresh from the library, Fanny is no longer an enigma. Eileen comes along and takes a pish because of the Churchill thing and says there's a family resemblance and that two of them share Winston's hips. So
0: Audrey must have turned around and then explained it to Eileen. Right. (laughs) Off camera.
1: Gail and Eileen argue in the street. Eileen's saying that Fanny put it about a bit. Gail saying that sounds awfully like Eileen until the undertaker yells at them to shut up because he's a man and he's had enough of these bickering women and it's all very childish. Let's call it a night, says Audrey. That's as far as we get with mm-hmm. that.
0: He even yells at Audrey, who Buy he had stick. just who he had just called to come and calm these two two ladies down. Yeah, put the hose on them, Audrey.
1: Shut up, he shouts. Hmm. <sighs> Okie okay, dokie. Okay.
0: You know, remember, remember when he first showed up, and we thought that he was going to hook up with Mary, and we were so happy that Mary was finally going to be. In a relationship, yep, and we were really happy about that. And he mm-hmm. seemed really sweet, even though he had some hard edges.
1: <sighs> How's that working? Out? Why,
0: why didn't they just go with that? Why did they have to muck it up like this? Poor Mary, although Mary is getting her joys on in, an, in another storyline.
1: Yep. So very much so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but that's like that's showing her hard. maternal side.
1: Oh dear. She's getting more you. joy out of that than she'd ever get with Undertaker. That's I guess. true. Although, That's true. But yeah, it's that there has to be a um a conflict. There has to be fighting f- between people for the same paramour.
0: Is George really worth fighting over, though? Come on. It's and a kind Gail's of last man not, on earth sort of thing. And Gail's isn't it? not really interested in him romantically. Because they're kind of related. I mean, it's a distant relation, but they are kind of related. You it's know,
1: just like Giuliani.
0: Because, because you know, as Audrey points out, well, they have a relationship, but it's not that kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just friends. And George says, "I want to be friends with both of you."
1: Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> Bearing in mind, it's a man. Hmm.
0: God only knows. Men are dumb.
1: We've seen When Harry Met Sally, right?
0: No offence. It's my favourite movie.
1: Ever? Yeah. Ever, ever? Ever, ever. Wow, I think I've seen it once. That was (laughs) alright. It went on for a long time, I remember.
0: I love that movie. What
1: would my favourite movie be? Oh, it's Jaws 2.
0: (laughs) You really love that helicopter scene.
1: Jaws 1 doesn't eat a helicopter, that's my point. That's why Jaws 2 (laughs) is better than Jaws 1.
0: Because a shark eats a helicopter. Yep. Does it get its face cut off?
1: Well, I ate it from the bottom up. <laughs> Obviously, it's not stupid. Our next storyline today is Da do run, 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 Da do run, run.
0: What, what was it with helicopters in 70s movies? There seems to be an awful lot of them. Was it? Yeah. Well, there's that one where that guy got killed on set.
1: Oh, the Twilight Zone. Yeah. That's it. <laughs>
0: I'm sure there
1: are others. What what is it with uh, uh, girls being ghosts in 1980s movies (laughs) because it was Poltergeist?
0: I'm sure there are others.
1: Hmm. On Monday, (laughs) Ronnie's getting a tour of the builder's yard and is unimpressed, thinking that Ed had a better set up back in their old gaff. Paul backs up Ed and reveals that he used to work at the knicker factory where Michael works from frills to drills says ronnie oh he's sharp isn't he
0: he is isn't he sharp he
1: is he invites paul to join him and ed at the casino giving paul a nickname knickers yes i love that me too, <laughs> Paul's me too. called knickers now yes and he doesn't seem to mind it either <laughs> where's knickers oh he's just in the pub brilliant okay <laughs> i hope they keep this up yeah Nickers goes off to finish a job, <laughs> leaving Ed to explain to Ronnie why it's not a great idea for him to be in a casino these days. Ronnie had no idea. It seems to be a little chuffed that Ed isn't dad of the year after all, and can't believe that Ed let Michael take the fall for him. Ed mm. explains other- that otherwise, Aggie would have left him. He knows that Ronnie and Aggie don't see eye to eye, but he asks Ronnie to play nice, especially if he's going to be moving nearby and offered a longer term contract on the show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and that's all that happens with that this week yes
0: and Ronnie seems to soften to Aggie a little bit
1: at least theoretically yeah, yeah. there's a theoretical softening
0: yes so he's not going to call her the Iron Lady anymore it's right. just offensive yeah nobody wants to be compared to Margaret Thatcher do they?
1: Well, right. oh, let me just check <laughs> is Thatcher still yeah. <laughs> the thing that I could have done with because they, they planted the seed last week of mm. the whole uh, is Aggie Ronnie, Ronnie the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm loving Ronnie. Mm-hmm. This is this is a good character. He is, is a good character. Immediately a good character. Yes. And they're giving him the swagger, and he's mm-hmm. got the banter, and he's. He's got the skill of a, of a master salesman Just to turn yeah. any, everyone that he comes into contact with He's leaving with a little smile It's
0: kind of like Michael
1: And a little song in their heart kind of thing A yeah. little bit, right? Yeah And then we get two scenes and nothing more for the rest of the week Yeah Like, um, really?
0: Yeah, I would have preferred more of this and less of Yasmin
1: Right I'd have preferred more of this and less of pretty much everything else this week <laughs> <Less laughs> Was a great week.
0: Steve laughing about killing a dog
1: was funny though.
0: No, the, the funeral stuff, the running over the wreath and stuff was kind of funny. The whole Steve laughing about driving so fast a dog flies through the window, not funny. Well,
1: we'd only assume that it died. Anyway, our next storyline today is Asha's lovely storyline.
0: It's like in uh, Anchorman when his dog gets thrown off the bridge.
1: Doesn't get thrown off the bridge, gets punted off the bridge by Jack Black. <laughs> On Wednesday, Nina has turned up at Ashes to walk her to school. Dev is extraordinarily awkward by not being awkward. He says he'll be going out tonight if the two of them want to get jiggy on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? And Adie is disturbed by this and prefers Dev when he's not PC and is a bigot instead.
0: Like they know. Like they've ever heard the Will Smith song, Get Jiggy With It.
1: Wiki this Wild, Wiki Wild, Wiki Wild Wild <laughs> West, song. Jim West, Desperado, no, Rough Rider, no, you don't want to
0: Summertime. Nina, has plans street. to take
1: Asha to a spoken word event on feminism or something. Mary Online. and Dev are in Roy's roles talking about that awful human ITV Corey. Dev seem, senses Nina and Asha coming and tells Mary to be cool. She says she's mama cool, but then calls Asha and Nina lovely lesbians. <laughs> Dev is affronted at the label. Asha is angry that he told her, but Nina just laughs it off. Right. They talk about the spoken word thing and Dev's impressed with the literature and he mentions that he's reading a great book at the moment about one man's struggle. Aren't you reading Bravo 2-0? asks Asha. Cracking line. And Nina says it's good to keep an open mind. Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb was a book written by a guy who was in Iraq about his... I think Iraqi experiences. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, a, it's a typical man's book. Right, yes. A man's book for people who don't read books. Right. This is what they've read. Yeah. That's why that was funny. Yes. On Friday.
0: Even if you don't know all of that, it's still funny. It's still right? Right? funny. Right. Because the, just the name, Bravo20, sounds you, like. You kind
1: of know. Yeah. It's like a Zero Duck story. Yeah. Yes. You kind of know that has some has military connotations right there. yes on Friday at Roy's Rose, Ash Asha's complaining about her dad and Mary who seemed to be too into the fact that she's into another girl but Nina thinks it's cute they arrange to Netflix and chill later when Dev texts her asking her to invite Nina for tea again Dev is at home thrilled that Nina has agreed and Mary is pisser pants excited too Dev wants to impress, so Mary decides to make her Cauliflower Wellington and get a clever and cultured and foreign and gay movie to watch later. <laughs> Let's play this cool, says Dev. Super cool, says Mary.
0: Right.
1: Superfly cool, almost. Is
0: Cauliflower Wellington a real thing, do you think?
1: I've no idea, but it sounds horrendous. <laughs> At Dev's, some jaunty French sex comedy music is playing while Dev pretends to be all bo- bohemian and interesting. Mary tells Nina that she looks like a princess of the dead. Dev agrees and then says Mary has chosen a pre-dinner film It's French Portrait de la Jean en feu. Yeah,
0: it's a portrait of the lady on fire
1: mm-hmm. Nina is impressed, it's a lesbian it's a film Of course it is, says Asha She was mortified but, and tries to back out But Nina says it's fine Hooray, says Mary and Dev it, it,
0: that's, that's really Breaking it down Into its very smallish Parts to just call it a Lesbian film is about more than just being. When you say lesbian film, it it con- it connotes that.
1: I didn't say it was a lesbian. film I know,
0: film. I know, I know. But just who was it? Who said it? it was Asha? Wasn't it? It was Nina. Yeah. It was weird that you that Nina of all people would just say, "Oh, it's a lesbian film." I think that like was a that's... little
1: that was a nod to Asha. Oh yeah. I think it's like saying Jaws is about a shark. Yeah. That's yeah, not about a bit shark. It's about infidelity. Uh, (laughs) It is. It's about
0: politics. crooked politics.
1: And infidelity. The French lesbian film has been a resounding success and has everyone in tears. Dev saw a lot of Nina and Asha in that movie and that sounds creepy as fuck. (laughs) Mary found it fiercely erotic. Nina goes out for some fresh air. Asha reading this as Dev has embarrassed her runs and falls behind. And in the guinnel, Nina wasn't cringe at Dev. Instead, Dev reminded her of Richard who tried to be to right. share interests with her um, right. and that sort of thing.
0: Yes, let's all remember that poor Nina has lost her father quite recently.
1: Yeah, and is
0: so obviously, coping with it
1: exceptionally well. Right,
0: and obviously <laughs> would be quite chuffed with how with how Dev is behaving. Right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that she's constantly calling him cute and stuff.
1: She had a lovely time and thought that Dev was right about the movie reminding her of them and their first kiss. They're about to smooch again when Mary shouts, Cauliflower Wellington. Bringing <laughs> an end to that. And that's the end of that storyline this week. Again, this was fucking delightful.
0: Yes. Yes. Can we just have the Allahan show, please? <laughs> They're all...
1: This is goosebumps. They're all so good.
0: Yeah. They are. Addie and I'm really glad... is in glad. it for
1: one scene, but is brilliantly great. funny in it.
0: Yes. And I'm so glad that they've included Mary back into the family, because that's kind of been missing... Yep. You know?
1: That dynamic between Dev and Mary... It's, it's just so is great. great. Because it's a kind of Laurel and Hardy thing, because they both mm-hmm. think that the other one is... Well, Dev being, I think, the, uh, the Hardy character... Right. ...who thinks that the other one's a bumbling one, right. but he's just as bumbling. Right. It's that kind if of not dynamic... not more so. Right, that yeah. I, I really love.
0: Yeah, I really love their relationship. I really love everybody's relationship within this. It's just, it's really... It's really good, and it's nice that Nina has these relationships now, and she doesn't have to rely just on Roy for right. her yeah. emotional well-being. Roy and Carla, mm-hmm. to a lesser extent.
1: Yeah, she's got this kind of extended family now. Right. And while she was kind of stuck with Roy, she had relationships with everyone that's coming into the mm-hmm. uh, and it Roy's roles. But it's just it's kind of
0: my one concern my one concern i think is that it kind of feels like nina is more in love with the idea of being a part of this family more than she is with just asha
1: right you know and i don't think based on what she said previously she'd be that keen on such a big deal being made about it right
0: yeah
1: but yeah, like you said like... she's just lost her dad right She's finding herself having a bit of connection here with, um, and seeing similarities with Dev, and, mm-hmm. and how it's nice that someone's trying to right, make yeah. her happy, basically. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's great stuff.
0: Yeah. I, as this long as she doesn't stay in the relationship just to hang out with Dev.
1: Right. Or Mary. This isn't by design, but we always seem to follow the wonderful Alahan. And Nina storyline with Johnny on the inside. Ugh. On Friday, Johnny is being weird in his cell, and his new cellmate Kai doesn't seem to be interested in humouring him about it. Yes, this is the guy who doesn't wear underwear. Kai. Yeah.
0: Right. He's the guy from last week who doesn't wear underwear.
1: Later, Gary's on the phone pretending to be speaking with Jake from State Farm. <laughs> Behind him. Johnny walks by and spits his meds into his hand, and then hangs around like a bad smell behind Gary, clearly associating Gary with imaginary Jake, with his relationship with imaginary Aiden. Back in the pool hall, in the prison, Kai is continuing to rip the piss out of Johnny, and Gary is careful this time not to get too involved. After Kai leaves, Gary tells Johnny to be careful around his new cellmate. He's heard things. Hmm later johnny's off his head looking at cats that aren't there again
0: it's not a new cellmate he was a cellmate last week too after the other guy died
1: gary tries to tell kai that johnny's been through a lot and he's getting worse but kai is low in sympathy having to share a cell with the head case and later still kai walks in on johnny in the cell petting an imagine an imaginary cat on the floor mm-hmm. and that thankfully is all that happens in that this week yes not enjoying this still no Although Johnny is sport now.
0: Johnny seems to kind of think that Kai is in a little bit when he first comes into the doorway, he starts to smile mm-hmm. seeing his shoes. Right. And then we pan up and it's the guy who keeps forgetting to wear underwear under his sweatpants. Right.
1: <laughs> I really don't have anything else to say about this. Me neither. Okay. Our final storyline today is Team Simon. Ah. Team Simon's score fluctuated quite a bit this week
0: Mm
1: -hmm. On Monday Simon gets home to the flat He's been out all night and Leanne claims to have been concerned He's not impressed Throws a fiver down in the breakfast counter for messages Tells her to get them herself today And then fucks off for a shower Because last week Leanne hooked them Mm. Post-shower, he's at work. Jacob mentions that Simon's phone's a brick and he's going to need a new one so Jacob can get hold of him. Simon explains that he's uh, not new at this bad guy malarkey and Mm -hmm. describes the time that he was in a gang and knocked Audrey over. (laughs) Jacob's clearly quaking in his boots when he goes off to deliver some drugged-up chippy teas. Later, Jacob throws a fancy phone at Simon. Call it a productivity bonus and he suggests that he tells Leanne, Leanne that he was employee of the month or whatever. There's another deal coming up that'll be a nice little learner. And Jacob suggests that Simon enjoys a wee talk or two of the product before they shift it. Mm -hmm. Back home, Leanne quickly (laughs) turns off the psychic on TV when Simon comes home. She sees a new phone and wants to know where they got it.
0: Right. After Simon made this big deal about, oh, she's not going to notice this. And then he makes a big deal of slamming it down on the table (laughs) so she will absolutely notice this. It was like... Yeah way to play it cool there Simon
1: He uses the employee of the month award uh, story after all but she doesn't fall for it and he doesn't give a shit and goes off to play on his console telling her to call the psychic line if she doesn't believe him about the phone.
0: Do you know a single kid who would refer to their gaming system as their console?
1: No (laughs) I don't know if they're not allowed to say Playstation or Xbox I don't know
0: I thought for sure somebody said Playstation once on the show
1: um. Yeah,
0: I think it was David when he was playing with Audrey during <laughs> lockdown. Remember?
1: I'm off to play my personal <laughs> computer. Yeah, you wouldn't say that.
0: Or just make up a console name. It's not that hard. i just say
1: you're off for a wank. Right. I'm off for a wank.
0: Or I'm off to play video games.
1: Right. I'm off to play my console now. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> On Wednesday. <laughs>
1: On Wednesday, Toya has gone round to see Leanne, and she's up to high door getting the place tidy. And she thinks that Nick has put Toya up to this. After all the feather and hotline shenanigans from last week, Toya doesn't have a clue what Leanne is talking about. But it doesn't matter because Leanne has packed all that in. Although she is having a personal and in-depth session with a psychic in about five minutes.
0: Right, and that's why she's cleaning up.
1: So Derek Pacora shows up, and he knows, <laughs> and he Dick. knows, he knows he's Dick. here. I've got that covered. And knows that he's here for a little boy.
0: 41269.
1: And that I've got that covered. And I don't that care. he's contacted Leanne already. Leanne is amazed until Toya points out that all of our photos are everywhere and Leanne is still clutching onto a stupid feather. Derek Pakora pretends to go into a trance and says that the spirit is here. Derek Pakora <laughs> reckons that the kid was ill. No shit, Sherlock. And he's here and happy now. He says he loves Leanne and wants her to know that he forgives her. For what? Leanne is in tears, but Toya smells a rat. Mm -hmm. Derek Pecora continues going on about how Oliver loved farm animals and his special red car. But Toya sees the photos and the car lying around and calls Derek Pecora out as a charlatan. Shenanigans, she declares. And the mist rises from Leanne's eyes and she knows that this Muppet can't talk to the dead after all. Betty, shouts Derek Pecora. (laughs) Does one, eight, three, one mean anything. Mary loves dick. Leanne throws him out without him getting paid. In the community garden. He refuses
0: to take payment. Yeah. You know, and there was, because he says, you know, he's not in these white feathers. These white feathers have nothing to do with Oliver. So, I mean, there were points there were points where it seemed like this guy was actually maybe doing a service to her in letting go of Oliver but also by using...
1: What that is is don't take comfort from the feathers, take comfort from me. That's what that is.
0: Yeah. Man, I'm still sad that he's dead.
1: Derek Picora? Yes. Yeah.
0: So now he's, hu- he's he- hooking up with
1: he never saw that coming
0: <laughs> that was the greatest ghost hunting show of all time I much prefer it to the to the bros they have a discovery now who
1: <laughs> a most haunted live
0: i just it was I,
1: a, it was, a vet. it was
0: hilarious it was a vet television maybe
1: I was off that age but <laughs> and I never believed a word of it but settling down at 10 o'clock to watch most haunted live. <laughs> where nothing's going to happen for three hours
0: it was great except for like blurry people running around with night vision
1: or the orbs remember the orbs or otherwise specks of dust
0: (laughs) looking up people's nose it was like it was like a funny Blair Witch
1: yep and then uh, Yvette Fielding saying to Derek Pakora, you haven't been possessed tonight yet Derek you better do that now (laughs) in the community garden Jacob has rolled Simon an enormous joint
0: it's it's comedic how big this thing is.
1: Now we used to roll Why? triple skinners, which would be two lengthwise together and then one sideways at the end, so it'd right. be like a a length and a half right. of a normal rolled up cigarette. Right. This was like five times that. This yeah. Was like a quadruple. This was the most ridiculous looking skinner. joint
0: I've ever seen in my life, and it makes no sense.
1: It took Simon two hands to carry this thing. <laughs>
0: is it just so that it would show up on camera from six feet away oh, do you think
1: know, maybe <laughs> kelly the child, comes along shocked to Simon when suddenly into drugs he tells her to go home and play with her dollies she calls him a stupid prick and walks off coming out of speed dial toya sees all of this but it's unclear at this point whether she saw the joint although you'd have to think it would have been impossible not to <laughs>
0: especially since it's poking her eye out from across the right ay, ay, ay.
1: back at the house leanne can't believe that she's been so stupid Toya says it'll get easier, but in the meantime, maybe give Simon some attention. Leanne thinks that Simon yeah, is maybe. sound, but Toya disagrees, saying that what she saw earlier uh, gave her some uh, cause for concern and worried that he might be going off the rails again, but stopping short of mentioning the mahoosive joint.
0: Right, yeah, he's just hanging out with dodgy kids, so she didn't see the mahoosive joint.
1: But Leanne yeah. says that I'm not in the mood to talk about this. Right, yeah. It just kills the conversation.
0: Right, yeah. I'm not in the mood to talk about the one thing I should be paying attention to right. and taking responsibility for.
1: And this is why the Team Simon percentage got a little nudge up. Right. Because Leanne's uh, disinterest was just so appalling.
0: Right, yes.
1: On Friday, Simon is on the phone and apologizing. And she not
0: seem all that sorry for decking him. No, no. Because <laughs> when he, you know, when he when he first comes out and she's like, oh, why are you so mad at me? He has to point out to her that she... Punched him in the
1: face Right Need I remind you ma'am Not 24 hours ago I was the recipient Of a punch in the face By you Simon's on the phone apologising to Kelly the Chin. I wish they hadn't done that as well The flat is a bit of a state when Nick comes in with coffees and croissants How lovely Ooh la la Nick announces that Sam wants to go on a bike ride And Simon is initially up for it until he remembers that he has a thing at work this afternoon Leanne remarks that Nick gets more out of Simon these days than she does So Nick looks like he's about to start crying again Oh Later Dad Nick, of the year Nick and Sam on a bike
0: Slagging like one kid off on the other
1: meet simon outside the chippy sam says that nick said that simon wants to go on a bike ride with him like it was his idea right nick reminds sam that simon is busy so sam starts rhyming off all the days that he's busy and what he's doing on those days like playing chess and stuff and when he's free and when simon's free until simon says oh look fuck it let's just go now have fun says nick oh we will says sam ominously
0: and then nick <laughs> runs through the hills <laughs>
1: So they're about to hit the red wreck when Jacob revs up in a fancy beamer demanding that Simon jumps in. It's an emergency. After some back and forth with Sam, Simon agrees, telling Sam to go home to his grands. And Simon speeds away with Jacob. AKA with, Gales, With Sam noticing that Simon has forgotten his bag. But rather than go back to Gales, Sam decides to wait outside the chippy and sit in the curb until it's dark.
0: Right, why? <laughs> He's a smart kid. Why wouldn't he just go back to Gail's house? Right. That's what you should do
1: Meanwhile in an alley Jacob explains that the emergency Is that they have a rat on their books Who needs to be taught a lesson And they see the guy and they give chase Simon, somewhat of a reluctant participant Later Sam is still sitting on the curb When a bloke runs down the street Chased by two blocks in a BMW Fuck it, says Sam And he grabs Simon's bag And seems to decide to investigate Simon and Jacob have caught up with the guy And somehow have managed to get him in the boot of the car Simon thinks this was brutal and looks to be enjoying himself And they batter on the boot and then Jacob tells Simon to wake the gimp Get the petrol Meanwhile, Nick is back at Leanne's, worried that Simon and Sam haven't come home Leanne moans that all she and Simon do these days is argue And I'd punch him in the face occasionally <laughs> You'd be doing that at the best of times, says Nick Well, this isn't the best of times, says Leanne, who has forgotten what impact the words even Had in Nick's sense.
0: Right, yeah.
1: She just worries about him. Well, tell him, says Nick. She
0: doesn't worry about him, though. No. Is the problem.
1: Tell him, says Nick, who for once looks more than 60 seconds away from tears. Simon and Jacob pour water over the car for, I guess, dramatic purposes, while Simon plays with his lighter, and the guy in the boot loses his mind and shits himself. They open the boot and let him out, and he runs away past Sam, who's there on his bike and has seen the whole thing. A panicked Simon gives chase, but it's too late sam has gone but jacob has noticed that sam had simon's bag and hopes there wasn't anything in it uh oops says simon
0: yeah maybe we should have noticed this before now
1: right jacob orders simon to fix this shit out so simon pedals to number eight to see sam but sam is on the couch pretending to be asleep so nick tells simon to come back in the morning and thanks him very much for today
0: right yeah it's like
1: nick also gets a phone call for standing on the doorstep that he takes right. while he's talking to Simon.
0: Right. Rather yeah. Than just leave it. It's Natasha. Right. And, okay, we're worried that they've been gone for a long time. Sam comes home alone without Simon. Right.
1: With a bag. With,
0: with a bag. And Nick never says, oh, by the way, here's your bag to Simon. Mm-hmm. Simon doesn't say, oh, well, he has my bag. Can I get my bag, please? Which, he could very easily do right then and there. All of a sudden we've forgotten that they were gone a long time. Sam was sitting right outside that chippy that people drive by and walk by all the time on the show. Mm-hmm. Nobody noticed that he was sitting there the whole day?
1: Nope. I don't know who he is. But just this kid. Actually, Steli was talking about the time that she was sitting on the curb and the police came up to her and told her to go home.
0: When did did this happen? Did you know about that? No. When was this?
1: I found about this on the Patreon of our Spongebob Squarecast podcast.
0: When was this?
1: Uh, It must have been recently because Axel was Axel at the time.
0: Oh, yeah. It's probably quite recently when Mm. she and Axel and Ellie were going to Subway or something.
1: Probably. That's all they seem to do. Right. Sitting on the
0: curb, eating their six inch subs and the police say, nope, no eating six inch subs on this curb. Right. Not in our town. Right. Don't they have something more important to do than and to harass 12-year-old girls and one transgendered boy sitting on a curb eating Subway sandwiches?
1: Now we know how John Rambo felt in first blood. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the time that I sat on uh, a curb, my friend got punched in the face because of it. People just hate people sitting on curbs for some reason.
0: That doesn't make any sense.
1: Anyway, Simon gets back to the flat and just wants to listen to his music, but Leanne wants to chat about how nice it was that it went out with Sam. When she gets no chat back, Leanne goes off for a bath, muttering that judging by how Simon's behaving to her, anyone would think that she'd punched him in the face. Oh yeah, that happened. When she's gone, Simon calls Jacob and also wants to see him out on the balcony. Very Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Jacob tears a strip off Simon for leaving two bags of coke with a kid in a bike helmet. Simon thinks it'll be cool because they're hidden under some flyers. Jacob says you better hope so because remember that kid we briefly put in the boot of a car and then let go? That'll be nothing compared to what happens to you. And that is how we end this week's episodes.
0: mm hmm What was
1: the point of the, the phone call from the balcony?
0: To get him to go outside so they could talk very openly <laughs> in public about two bags of Coke. He's shouting, there were two bags of Coke in that bag. Really loud. Mm-hmm. In a neighborhood that a cop lives in. Granted, in the same building too, doesn't... Aren't they? Isn't Craig and uh imran and um all the other people who live with them where do they live
1: no they're above a shop
0: but yeah it's like we should be getting like the big bad the big drug villain the drug lord yeah soon i i'm surprised that they haven't that they haven't that he hasn't premiered yet already because they keep talking about him Mm -hmm. in the in the, all the articles and stuff about this guy who's going to be playing the drug lord and blah 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 oh blah. that's that guy yeah it's that guy oh okay and and how like he's wearing like a piece of jewellery that belonged to his dad and it's a tribute to his dad who loved Coronation Street everybody's parents oh. seem to love seem to have loved Coronation Street
1: what's your point <laughs> of course they did there was nothing else to do
0: <sighs>
1: I have Managed to catch up on this year's Emmerdale, classic Emmerdale, classic Quarry on uh, the ITV.com, uh-huh. the hub.
0: Yeah, I'm still trying to catch w- up with Ozark.
1: Watching the, especially the old Corrie and the old Emmerdale from the late 90s It's just such good fun. And I think because it's two episodes a day when it was like three episodes a week, mm-hmm. everything seems to happen Really quickly,
0: right?
1: Like, and there's iconic moments seem mm-hmm. to happen every other day, and right, and people leave and get back together again, mm-hmm. and, and then leave for the third time, or mm-hmm. whatever, all over the space of like from Monday to Thursday. So, sort I of think it's really, really good fun,
0: yeah. I'm trying, I'm still trying to catch up with Ozark, even though the Golden Globes are tomorrow. But I've been distracted because Sally and I watch our WandaVision on Fridays and also The Muppet Show is now on Disney Plus. So I've been enjoying watching.
1: How quickly we get distracted.
0: All this ridiculousness from The Muppet Show from the late 1970s and early 80s and all of these people who were famous (laughs) once upon a time.
1: I was quite, especially after last week, very much Team Simon. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm kind of liking the idea of him turning a little bit heel and being a yeah. bit of a rogue.
0: Right, because he, he was a bit
1: of a rogue before right, as well. But he, but he has good cause to be now. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to be fully immersed in it. No. He's kind of been there for Sam and he's helping out Nick. He's the new Gary. He's just basically pissed off at Leanne is, right. it, is all that he is.
0: He's the new Gary. <laughs> been pushed into a life of crime by people being mean to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a woman refuses to show him love, and so he turns to a life of crime. It's Gary all over again. <laughs> Only instead of Sarah, it's Leanne.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Instead of romantic I love, it's maternal love. I was also
1: love. more more into him being a drug runner when it was just dope. Right, yeah. Now it's coke. That's a bit more serious. Yeah. That's a that's a very long time in jail for that. Yeah. will be You'll be marijuana here is like legal, so it's
0: yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's not even that he's doing anything particularly naughty. Right. Yeah. Although Won't be long until he's
0: it. you know trying to deliver heroin and hollowed out hymnals.
1: <laughs> right. So that was Coronation Street. This week? Yes. I don't think it was very good. I think there was lots of it that kind of annoyed me and bored me. The the bits that were good, I think, were exceptionally good. And maybe were exceptionally good because the things that were round about it weren't that great. Well, no,
0: because anything that the Alhan family does anymore is always exceptionally good. The chemistry is just perfect there now.
1: So it seems.
0: Yes. So obviously our moment of the week is going to be a portrait of the lady on fire.
1: Yeah, I think so
0: portrait of a lady on fire not the lady on fire
1: and I think we gave it to uh we gave it to the conversation that asha had with dev two weeks ago three mm-hmm. weeks ago but and I don't think there's any real competition for it
0: and a couple of weeks before that we gave it to dev and Ali dancing when they find out that Corey is no longer a thing
1: yeah that might have been last year yeah so i I, I stopped only started recording it on my spreadsheet uh, this year. I'll have to go back and listen yeah. to the other ones. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. matter. But, We've... But for the sake of com- completion.
0: Yes, that's our moment of the week. That is our. Well, that was fun. Nope, <laughs> no. that was our. Tim four thousand. Nope. <laughs> says you have got to be shitting me.
1: <laughs> that that is our. Nope. <laughs> that is our.
0: Moment of the, of the week. week. Oh, fucking finally. Moment of the week.
1: There we go. You're born a moment of the week.
0: Johnny's cat. It's kind of getting old now, isn't it? Oh,
1: it was never fresh.
0: <laughs> Johnny petting an invisible cat.
1: That whole storyline is just so dull.
0: It's just bonkers.
1: The thing is that I reckon it's probably doing a, a, an interesting take on a character in prison. Right. That he will have a character in prison who has this uh right. illness. Right. How does that affect him? Mm-hmm. So it asks a a reasonably interesting question. It's right. Just that the answer is awful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're not they're not doing anybody any favors with the storyline.
1: Yeah. That's so. for a moment of the week. Right so here. Shall we wrap this one yes, up then? Please? If you've ever, oh I haven't done that, if you've ever, if you've ever hit the wrong button on your (laughs) Zoom PodTrack P8.
0: Mm -hmm. If you've ever hid dope in a chippy bag or heroin in a hymnal.
1: Don't. Don't incriminate Don't yourself tell by telling us Tell us something else We're the talk of the street at gmail.com Which is also our address on Skype for voicemail And on PayPal if you want to chuck a couple of bucks In our virtual tip jar We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel Links to which you can find on our Twitter bio Or on the other stuff page off the talk of thetalkofthestreet.podbean.com And if you're so inclined Please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes please. Or on your podcast provider of choice Thanks for making it to the end of another tell episode Tell how funny he is and Frequently hilarious. <laughs> and we will be back next week with more
0: Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Cheerio. Bye.